Today's special Saturday episode of the BS Podcast, brought to you by SeatGeek. As always, our presenting sponsor, the easiest way to shop for the best tickets, thanks to their revolutionary grading system, buy and sell tickets in just two taps on your phone. Everything fully guaranteed. Right now, my listeners get $10 off baseball tickets. The first time they use SeatGeek, just use promo code BSMLB. NBA is about to end. You need to start going to baseball games. Download the SeatGeek app today or go right to SeatGeek.com. We're also brought to you by Hotel Tonight, and if you're like me and you're not so great at planning ahead, try Hotel Tonight. It's an app that helps you find amazing hotel deals at the last minute up to seven days in advance, perfect for a spontaneous getaway or indulging in a little staycation. All it takes is 10 seconds, three taps, and a swipe. What are you waiting for? Get in on those killer last-minute deals. Download the Hotel Tonight app now. We are also brought to you by TheRinger.com. That's where you will find an NBA column for me this week, I promise as well as uh, all of our great content that we have on sports and tech and pop culture. And we are finally brought to you by Binge Mode, Game of Thrones, the hottest new podcast in America. Well, not not totally, but but it's hot. It's definitely hot. People like this podcast. It's amazing. Uh, just download it. It's the first 10 episodes of Game of Thrones, dissected, broken down, binged by Mallory Rubin and Jason Concepcion, who know more about Game of Thrones than anybody who have ever lived on this planet other than the two people who created the show. And what's cool about it, I listened to a couple this week because I've been traveling all week. It's like books on tape. You don't even really have to watch Game of Thrones again. You can almost re-experience each episode just through these two crazy nuts that we have working for us who love this show and who break it down. I listened to it. I, I had intended to watch the show and listen to it, and... Turns out you don't need to. I mean, you can, but you don't need to. Uh, I love this podcast. Check it out. Listen to it. And on that note, Joe House coming up. We are off. This is a, a rarely seen three-time zone podcast. Kate taping in L.A., Joe House in Washington, D.C., and I am in middle America. Let's just say there's a, there's a soccer tournament that's not in California that my daughter may or not be involved. But I'm in middle America. I watched, uh, I watched game three in person. I watched game four on a TV in my hotel room. I fully expected the Warriors to win. So did my wallet. So did Joe House's wallet. It did not happen. 24 threes, some referee chicanery. House, was that the game we should have had game three and instead we just had it in game four? This, the, the game always was a possibility. We finally got a couple things um, that we were you know, puzzled by in this game. We were wondering when are we going to see um, in the first place some, some pace control this is the first game of the series where uh, the the possessions went below 100 over the 48 minutes. So the Cavs, yeah. you know, notwithstanding <laughs> scoring 137 points on the uh, possessions per 48 basis, they finally well, that was, that showed was a little pace throws. control. Yeah, that was free throws and threes bumped the points up. But I agree that it did, did seem like they weren't trying to turn it into a track meet quite, quite as much. Which is funny because they scored 49 points in the first quarter, but, you know, the foul trouble and the threes bumped that up. Yeah, and 86 by by halftime. The other thing, strategy-wise, and I thought Danny Chow did a nice job of this overnight, um, 
he mentioned this in his column that's up on the ringer.com right now. Um, Cleveland defensively let Draymond take as many shots as Draymond wanted, and Draymond took more shots than Steph or Clay. Yeah. So that's, okay. that's Curry. Curry sucked last night. That didn't he sucked. He was due to suck for one, right? He was due to suck, and he sucked. And he had been playing really, really well, and he just he didn't play that well. I, uh, you know, I went to Game Three. It was one thirteen, one oh seven. It felt like like the Warriors were kind of not deer in the headlights because they're a great team, but a little rattled. And I think I think it was one thirteen, one oh seven when Jr. had that chance to hit the three in the corner, and he took the two steps to the left, and he missed it. And then the 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 Warriors scored. LeBron came down, did a follow-up turnaround, missed it. Warriors scored, and, and the game just kind of snowballed on them. It was stunning. It was about as fast as I've seen a game turn um, in the finals like that. It actually re- weirdly reminded me of the Junior Skyhook game in 87, Lakers-Celtics, oh. where the Lake, the Celts were up like six or seven, and then like somebody made a shot, Coop hit a three. All, all of a sudden, it was one point, and you're like, what happened? And well, that's you know, what I, the crowd was like. Yeah, that, that's you. You just beat me to the punch. I wanted to ask you about the crowd reaction because you were also at um, Spurs Heat. Uh, was that three years ago? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that and was uh, in Miami. Yeah, that was the in Miami exactly. Five and they flipped it. Yeah, the, the Cavs fans were were fantastic. Super loud, angry. They're just angry, angry at the, every call. It was funny because the Cavs were, I thought, getting more favorable calls than the Warriors did. And yet the Cavs said, anytime there was a foul, they were just losing their mind. And they really thought they were going to win. And it just kind of, you know, turned. And it was, I mean, it's been dissected ad nauseum, but the, the coaching negligence in the last couple of minutes was really bad. Like not getting, sure. not getting a two for one after right. Durant hit the three, which by yep. the way, anyone who's watched Durant for 10 years, I know LeBron was tired, but, wouldn't you bet your life he was going to pull up and take a three foot? That's the spot. You just you need to run spot. at him. You, you, yeah, you the the three spot. is so much worse for you than the two at that stage of the game, too. Yeah. You had your spot at the foul line. I knew you were going to shoot from there every time. Durant, it's like Durant's taking a million threes from that spot, and they screwed up, and then they screwed up the two for one. And I'm okay with Kyrie going for one-on-one one, one because, on one, as we saw last night, he, he – uh, he might be one of the best of all time at it. And, you know, so anyway, it evened out. It felt, it feels like game three was the game. Game four should have been. And game four was the game three Cavs on fire. They get every call. They cut the series to two to one. So it's logically it evened out. Here's the first question I have for you. Kyrie is now. I, I'm trying to think, is there ever been a better offensive point guard? that you've seen because obviously Curry has the threes and he has all this other stuff and statistically he's better, but from a pure, we have to stop this guy and we can't standpoint. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't I, know I if get, I've seen anybody better. We, we, we always are um, mindful of not over-exaggerating what's right in front of our eyes and the, the hyperbole. But I, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry to use this man's name in connection with Kyrie because Kyrie still has a long way to go to accomplish who I'm about to say. But Isaiah Thomas is the guy that I think of who is yeah, an unstoppable I, scorer. Yep. He's, he's the evolutionary version of when Isaiah was in heat check mode 
because Isaiah didn't shoot threes like Kyrie does. And there's a couple things that he does that I've just never seen at this high level from a point guard before. One is, you know, the the terrible threes that he takes and makes, which aren't terrible because he makes them. Only Steph is really in the neighborhood of non-forward, you know, guys that just can make 28 footers with a hand in their face, falling backwards in the blink of an eye. There's no, there's no bad three for him because he makes them. Right. You know, and it's really just him. You just think about guards under six, four. Would you put Dame Lillard in there? Like, I'm not positive. I would, I feel like Kyrie and Steph are just one notch above anyone I've ever seen in my life. And then the other thing is, you know, his, his drives and finishes, which we knew last year, it's not like any of this is a newsflash, but just to watch him do this on a higher stage. Um, I, I really, I think he's the best that I've seen of any, I be, of any point guard or any smaller person. I, I want to be fair to Dame. I, I think Dame's got the game. He just, you know, because of his team situation, the franchise that he's um, on, they're they're not only cracking the first round of the playoffs, so you're not going to get True. this extended run. And and Kyrie also has the benefit of playing with um, the very best basketball player on the planet of the last decade. So what True. does that create for him in terms of opportunities? And, and really, more than anything, confidence. You know, how can you not be confident if you've got that guy um, on the floor with you at the same time? But with, with all of those qualifications, he's still – and an incandescent, unstoppable scorer. We haven't seen a guard scorer like this. Um, and I, the thing that, that distinguishes him, now Steph does get to the rack, um, and, and he's, he's very, very good at the um, stutter step and, you know, the misdirection. But Kyrie goes to the rack hard. I like the way that Kyrie yeah. finishes. I mean, everybody gives him such great, um, uh, you know, kudos for how he finishes, and he deserves it. Kyrie in game three, who, and he ended up having a really good game. I thought Clay Thompson was spectacular in that game on both ends. His offensively, he was great. Defensively, the stuff he's doing to make Kyrie work for his shots was at a whole other level. I mean, not Pip and Kawhi level, but a notch below. How hard he was making him work and stretching and just like he was every step of the way with him. And Kyrie still went off. He had like 39. You know? He's going off every like, game. He's been yeah, on the, I'm a, a thinking tear like, since that Boston series. Yeah, so he's had he's had three games now. So if you look at that Boston game four, which I think that was a game they were going to blow if he didn't do what he did, just because LeBron had the four fouls among them and swung against them as bad as my Celtic team was. But then these these game three, game four, like this, it's just ridiculous what he's doing, and I, it's it's. He, I don't think he made it of any of the All NBA teams. I'm pretty sure he didn't. And I'm, didn't. Re- I'm really starting to wonder if we need to reevaluate how we do these All NBA teams. Because if you're just going backwards, Clay Thompson and Kyrie are two of the best 15 players in the league. And if you're in a, if you're in the biggest series of the year, you want either of those guys on your team as one of your best five guys. And well, Clay- I don't know what that means, but we need to figure yeah. that out. You know that Clay got bumped. I mean, it was essentially a numbers game. Kyrie got bumped because Cleveland went 23 and 23 over the last 46 games. I mean, you know, so those right. are regular season uh, awards, accomplishments. I know, but I'm starting to wonder if maybe with all NBA, they'll never do this, but maybe we just 
wait to watch the whole season before before we decide on any of the shit. It just feels weird. Or, or just make it very clear that these are regular season awards, or make a playoff version of them. Or yeah, I like that. You you I give don't me like to the that. punch. I want a playoff version of MVP. I want a playoff version, not just you know Finals MVP. I want playoffs MVP. I want all NBA team for the playoffs. Right. So I did playoff MVPs in my book because it was really frustrating for me to try to figure out the different seasons and not and really only have Finals MVP and even. We didn't even have finals MVP till nineteen sixty nine. And then in some cases the wrong person won the finals MVP. Like in oh seven the Spurs swept the Cavs. Parker was hot for four games. He won finals MVP. Tim Duncan was the best player in the world from start to finish that season, was not captured. Dirk won the regular season MVP. And then Duncan and then Parker won the finals MVP for four games. It really does seem like we need playoff first, second team all NBA something because um I think yeah, John Clay, Wall needs recognition. <laughs> John, John Wall needs recognition for his 29% shooting in the half court in the playoffs. Look, Don't John he, Wall to learn some moves. He would make the all-NBA playoffs team for this postseason. There's no two ways about it. He'd make the all-NBA as long as we're going full speed on a fast break all-NBA team. I'd put him on that one. I. He was funny. After game one, Clay Thompson didn't shoot well. Everybody's like, what's wrong with Clay? And Steve Kerr really stuck up for him after the game. I was like, Clay played great. He didn't make shots, but his defense was unbelievable. And he's one of the biggest reasons we won that game. He, uh, he's been great. I, I actually think he's probably been the third best. I think Draymond's been their fourth best player in this, uh, in this finals. And I, I'm with you. Like, I don't know what took so long for them to, uh, to just say Draymond just beat us. I would be letting Draymond and Iguodala shoot threes all day, all night. I would leave them wide open. I would do the Marcus Smart defense on them. Basically, just you're, you're there. Take them. Knock stuff out. Do whatever you need yeah. to do. Because Durant and Curry are the guys that kill them. That's right. The, the crazy thing is it took a record-setting performance by Cleveland. They set many records last night to beat this yep. Warriors team. But in terms of creating these, these matchup, you know, you need you need to to do some some everything that you can to tilt it a little bit. Like Cleveland was, you know, t- trying to force both Sean Livingston and Draymond to take shots, inviting them to take shots. It's not like you know those all by themselves is going to change the outcome of the series. But but Cleveland needs to be doing all that it can on on kind of every level just to create um, any kind of beneficial matchup because of, of the incomparable, unstoppable force that is this, this Warriors juggernaut. I, uh, I, I mean, they should have won game three, in my opinion. I, I really think they choked. And it was a choke of strategy. It was a choke of playing LeBron too many minutes at too fast of a pace in the first half and just wearing them out. Which I, I just don't understand the way... One of the legacies of this finals to me is like, why was it a good idea to have LeBron in fifth gear in the first half of game one, two, and three? Why, what was the point of not pacing him at all? Well, let's, let's, I don't understand. Let's last that night, a I feel like bit. they, let's, let's dissect it. Do you, do you think, do you think that uh, anybody uh, other than LeBron had a role in making, you know, determining that, that, that approach? Yeah, you're probably right. He probably overestimated 
his own abilities and his own endurance abilities. Maybe he was too hyped. Maybe he got caught in the moment. But yeah, I mean, I think that's his competitive spirit. You got to leave something for for the fourth. He, he was. I went to one and three, and he was just flying. You know, at at a level that was not sustainable. It actually reminded me a little of your boy John Wall in Game Seven. For John Wall, and John Wall's not superhuman like LeBron, but John Wall was dead with a minute to go in the third quarter. Nothing left. Yeah, you it know? happened a and bunch then, to the Wizards in that series. Yeah, you got to spread it out. The Warriors are really good. I thought Durant played such a smart, awesome game in game three. You know, we're, I want to talk about him in a second. But he really, he paced himself. He didn't go all out. He never panicked. He let the game come to him. I, I think I looked at my phone at one point early in the fourth, and he was like 7 for 13. They were all pretty good shots. And he was just kind of waiting and waiting and waiting. And, and my buddy Sully actually texted me with like four or five minutes left. He's like, looks like the Cavs got this. And I texted him back, Durant is lurking. Because I really mm-hmm. felt like he was kind of waiting for his moment. And then he took it. And he had a lot in the tank left. And he took over the game at the perfect time. I don't know if all that was by design, but in person it seemed like it was. And, uh, you know, that shot he made, the three, the play before that, when he basically took, I think, Thompson off the dribble and hit that little baseline, little fallaway shot that really only he has, and Anthony Davis and maybe Giannis, the athletic ability to create that space and then the size to shoot that over somebody's outstretched hand. There's only a couple guys in the world that could do that. Um, that shot and then the pull up three, it's, yeah, I, I think it puts them at another level now. You know, I really think we have to start thinking about where where we're going to put him all time. Well, isn't, isn't that exactly the the point of why he's on this team? He, he knew this. He, he, well, uh, you can't say he knew it. He anticipated it. He hoped that this would be the way. No, I think think he knew. I think he knew there was a higher level of basketball out there. And I think he wanted to find it. And I think he was done with the one versus five offense, basically. And three guys standing in a spot while he had to do everything. I think he's and just, and I think he the confidence that he gets from from you know playing with a whole bunch of dudes that he knows know how to play right. Yeah, he, you know, if you're doing the top five forwards of all time, LeBron's one, Bird's two, Duncan's three. Some people would have Duncan two and Bird three, whatever. That's the top three. And Elgin's four. I'm talking careers. Obviously, if you put Durant in 1962, he would they would think like an alien landed, but Elgin's four. And then I had Dirk at five, depending on whether Havlicek was considered a forward or a guard. I think Durant has hit a, a higher level than I've ever seen Dirk hit. Did you, have you, do you think Dirk ever played better than this? I'm going to say no. It's I'm having a hard time making that comparison because this Warriors team isn't like any team that I feel like I've seen in, you know, 30 years. Like I, True. The, the, what what all those guys do for each other through the you know four guys four top fifteen guys in the league on the same team together it just is su- such a rarity it really is in in many respects you know hearkening back to the basketball that we enjoyed that was pre expansion where every yeah. team had you know every good team had three or four great players um, I love it. it you know what screw. Screw everybody who, who bitches about that this isn't fair, all that stuff. I, I've just, 
it, it, to me, it captures the the, tro- the everyone gets a trophy mentality of how America works right now, where you, your kid can play little league or be in his youth basketball team, and he's getting a trophy. He didn't win the title, but he's a winner anyway. That's that's what we're that's the fucking world right now. And <laughs> sorry, but they drafted three of their best five guys, and they were smartly carved the cap space for the other two. Those are the fucking rules. Like, stop bitching about it. The whole league is is meant to try to out thirty teams trying to outsmart each other and draft correctly, and create cap space and use it correctly. And they did it. So shut the fuck up. Hey, it really I, bothers me. I love the super teams. I've never said one bad thing yeah, about it. I love it. KD it's going good. to the Golden State. When the Lakers and the Celtics did it in the eighties, they did it because of the sheer incompetence of other teams. The Celtics traded the number one pick and got McHale and Parrish out of it, right? They drafted Larry Bird when everybody else was too stupid to realize that all you had to do is wait a year and you're going to get one of the five best players of all time. They got Magic Johnson because New Orleans signed Gail Goodridge, who's 33 years old, and gave up two first-round picks for it, and one of them became Magic. And they got James Worthy because they traded Don Ford, who was a bench player, and to to Cleveland, who stupidly gave them a first round pick and became a first round pick, you know, shit happens. They, they, the super teams from back then were created because the other teams are so stupid. This Golden State team was created just because they were really smart, and I think they get the credit. And by the way, if Sam Presti didn't trade James Harden, the Rams probably would have stayed. Nobody mentions that either. OKC screwed that up, and that was one of the reasons he left. That's so, true. They had they had their super team. I don't mean to sound like a Golden State defender because honestly, I don't care. I'm a Celtics fan. And the best case scenario for me is not Golden State dominating for the next five titles because I think my Celtics and your Wiz both have a real chance. But I just think the bitch about what a team did within the rules is insane. Well, it's not just the teams. It's the players, too. So we're in this era now. It's going to be super exciting and interesting to see where Gordon Hayward chooses to play. I'm fired up to see where Chris Paul lands this offseason because I, I think the Clippers, you know, um, should should go through a little bit of a rebuild thing. Houston, San Antonio, Cleveland, Boston, um, maybe Washington. I don't think I'm ready to crack that, put them in there yet. But Golden State, all those teams are circling the hoop, you know, with, with the possibility of luring in, a, a, you know, superstar free agents. And, and everybody wants to take a run at this, you know, playing with the other best guys in the league. And I, I'm, you know, I'm down with that. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I, I would say if we're going to bitch about teams in this series, what about the fact that Cleveland won the lottery four times in like 11 years? You know, this is a 30 team lottery system. The system is so screwed up that Cleveland won an 03. The guy left in seven years because they couldn't put a good enough team around him. They won the next year's lottery. They won the lottery two years later. So they won again in 2014. And now they have Kyrie and LeBron, who are two of the eight best players in the in the league, both times because they were completely incompetent. So if you're going to bitch about one of the two teams, I, I think it makes more sense to bitch about the fact that Love, Kyrie, and LeBron are all on that team because Cleveland was incompetent. Versus the team that was competent that put whatever together. I don't know. I, again, I think it goes back to the whole trophy mentality bullshit stuff. But um, I like watching. I playoffs sucked. They were disappointing. But I, to me, it was worth it for these last four final games. I loved all of them. 
even the first two games that were blowouts, I thought were just really, really super entertaining. Hold on, we got to take a quick break to talk about Wink. Oh, house. Our wives love whining about our faults. Mm. They really love wine. They That's do. why we signed them up for trywink.com because they made it so easy to get exceptional wines from all over the world delivered every month right to our door. It's a personalized wine club that recommends wine specifically for members based on the results of our palate profile quiz. You just go to trywink.com, T-R-Y-W-I-N-C.com. Take your feedback into account. They do. So they can learn more about your preferences with every order. For House, it was easy because she just put in, my wife will drink all wines at all times. That was it. That was her. No, she just, she's white. She doesn't like the red. White. All white. All white. All white. I don't care. As long as it's white, I'll drink it. Join for free. Skip any month. Cancel any time. They even have a 100% satisfaction guarantee. You'll never pay for a body you don't like. Sign up for Wink right now. Get introduced to new and rare wines that you can't get anywhere else. Find out for yourself why me and thousands of other satisfied wine lovers are raving about Wink. And Wink is offering my listeners $20 off your first order plus complimentary shipping if you go to trywink.com slash BS. Fine wine personalized for your pal coming right to your door. That is T-R-Y-W-I-N-C dot com slash B-S. So you're not ready to put the rain over Dirk yet? No, I mean... Uh, okay, that's Dirk, fine. Dirk? Dirk single-handedly won a finals. Dirk's already got the finals MVP. Durant, Durant's right there. Um, but they got to they gotta close this out. How do you feel about Curry if he's on two different title teams but doesn't get the finals MVP in either of them? I'm I'm fine with that. He's got two okay. two MVP regular season MVPs. Okay. The finals you know MVP many... can be a little bit of an aberration. Tony Parker is a finals MVP. I saw some stat. It was like guys who have won two MVPs and two titles, and there were only like nine guys on the list. Yeah, I'm not surprised <laughs> by that. And it was like all the guys you would think would be on the list. It was like. Bird, Magic, Wilt, Russell. I mean, it was like MJ. a who's who of the best. Yeah. And then it's like, and oh, and Steph Curry would be on that list too. Well, and Durant, a year from now, if he wins the MVP, which I think is is uh, definitely in place. So LeBron James, who has been, um, you know, as usual, ridiculous. He's putting up, I think, 31, 12, and 11 every game in the finals. Uh, for the playoffs, he's in the 42 club yet again. The 42 club I created in my book. It's points, rebounds, and assists averages for uh, the playoffs have to play 13 games. And for whatever reason, 42 becomes a great indicator for who's kicking ass and who's not in the playoffs. And yet again, he's doing this. Um, O'Connor and I talked about whether there was a possibility he might go to L.A. a year from now because that's been the buzz all over the place. And the stories are starting to trickle out. You're hearing more and more people talk about it now. What would you do if you were LeBron? Right now? I, I would, would you, chill. What, what's your game plan? What's the rest of your career looking like in your head? Let's say you lose the series in five. Let's say they lose on Monday night. What's the, so you, what's, what's you have the luxury of being able to dictate your future on an annual basis. and I think what you do is you look around and, you know, you love Cleveland. You brought a title to Cleveland. You have all the, the 
you know, that, that that's 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 not just friends and family. That's blood in 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 Cleveland. Yeah. Can he feel like, you know, will, will he say, well, I, we we did the, we we were in the finals every year that I, after I came back, and we got you that that one chip. Um, I love you, Cleveland, but I'm now whatever, 34, 35 years old, which he will be. You know, and started thinking with about that, with stuff. crazy miles on him, like almost. Yeah. A year after next season, he'll have like 54,000 miles on him, including playoffs. I think. So I don't think it's not it's nuts to think that he would look for a situation where he can play with other great guys. I mean, we just talked about this. Um, all the, all the the great players want to play with other great players now. Can I can I posit this to you? Let me hear I it. I think his best chance to succeed is to stay in Cleveland. I wouldn't for want sure. to leave Kyrie. Kyrie, who's a better wingman than Kyrie right now? Kyrie's unstoppable. I wouldn't leave Kyrie. That's crazy. If the Warriors are the hump that they have to get over every year, they can't play Thompson and Love together at the same time for long stretches against this Warriors team. So either keep Love, which if you get rid of Thompson, now you have basically no rim protection whatsoever, or you turn Love into something that, you know, can make you a little more dangerous. And I go back to February, and I really do think he'll deny it to the death, but I really do think LeBron was sending little spidey signals to to uh, to his organization and his owner and his GM that he wanted to trade love for Carmelo. Because I think he I'm glad they didn't do coming. that. Well, let me ask you, if Carmelo's in this series, what's different about it? I, it Impossible to say. Melo's never played in the finals. Kevin Love has, and I, I'm, I've been pretty impressed with with Kevin Love um, this finals. I'm glad that he's healthy for these. I'm finals. not dissing Kevin Love. I'm just saying, that, you know, their best five players they can't really play together in this series. They have to play four of the five. And if you flip Love for Carmelo, now you could play Thompson, LeBron, Kyrie, Carmelo. And Jared Smith or whoever, Corver, whoever, and that just makes more sense. Now on the other end, they'd be throwing Mello into just as many high screens as they did with Kevin Love. But um, I don't know. I, I I personally think they would have a slightly better chance with Carmelo in these games because it would just allow them to put better people on. Now you're not at, now you're not played Shumpert all these minutes, you know, uh, and you don't have to play Kyle Corver on crunch time and some of the stuff they've been doing. I don't like it. And the reason I don't like okay. it is because we've never seen Melo play genuinely committed defense uh, at 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 the the highest level. He's never made even a conference final, right? He's, has he played in the conference finals? I don't think so. He didn't with that. Denver yeah, he team. played in uh, in two thousand nine. They were tied two two to the Lakers, and that, that's right. Him and Mr. Okay. Big Shot went off a cliff in the last two games. Carmelo's biggest games have been in the Olympics, unfortunately. And right, then, uh, so that doesn't NCAA. give you a good feel for whether what kind of defense he's capable of either. So if they could flip Kevin Love for Paul George this summer, which is conceivable, not it's not inconceivable, put it that way, and LeBron could have Paul George and Kyrie Irving on his team with Thompson as the quote-unquote Draymond Green, I feel like that's toe-to-toe at that point. I, I, I'm not there. I think Cleveland's okay. better off. I, I I want Cleveland to keep Kyrie Love. I mean, if we're talking about what can Cleveland do to get over this hump, to make themselves competitive with 
the Warriors, where they don't have to set a record, um, you know, to, to, right, to win shooting a game. threes just to beat them once. Yes, exactly. Right. Um, they need to add kind of one more piece, and I, I wouldn't, I don't think Love, Kyrie, obviously LeBron's not going anywhere. You can't, you can't move. I think you just need to add an asset. Yeah, but here's the problem: it's impossible. They, they have, they have taken this roster and bleated. Every bleated, bled, 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 bleated. I'm a professional writer. Bled every single possible trade slash move they could make out of this roster. There's no more well, assets look, to get. Don't 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 underestimate. Look, we just talked about this. The great players want to play with the great players. Dudes will take a little bit less. Maybe somebody was willing to take a lot less. Well, yeah. I mean, you'd be talking. They they can't even use their exception because they they got crushed by the tax so hard. So I I don't even I mean they would have to be somebody taking the minimum. I personally, to me it's like if you can't play Love and Thompson together against the Warriors for long stretches, then pick one and trade the other and try to get something for the other because both of them have value. You know. Well, so, I don't, you're not you're not just solving for the one problem. I mean I understand. As we sit here today, it looks like the Warriors could be built for the next, you know, three, four, five years. But any, you know, life happens. So who knows? Uh, you know, Steph's ankle problem reappears, or you know. So you're saying, uh, you're saying instead of making a trade, hire somebody to hurt one of the Warriors. I'm so not that saying that. Happen. I would never oh, say you that. You just said you hurt Steph's ankles. I didn't hear no, that. I'm just saying life happens is what I said. You never I, know. You can't. You can't try to solve for a single problem. There's thirty. There's thirty teams. People always want us to disagree more on the pod. This is a good disagreement for us because I think they have to trade Love. I don't. I think, don't. I think they have to keep Thompson and trade Love for whatever they can get and try to make next year's team better so LeBron can't leave because I don't think they can beat the Warriors with this team and I don't think there's any way for them to make it better because you know it all goes back to the Kevin Love for Wiggins trade. When, which I think they should have done, I agreed with. But at that point, you're taking somebody who could have blossomed into a real asset for them at a cheap price, right? And instead, you add Kevin Love, who's making just a shitload of money. And now, instead of paying Wiggins, though, they made the finals all three years. I listen. I'm not against what they did. I'm just pointing out that if they had kept Wiggins at seven million. Now you don't have to pay J.R. Smith $15 million, and you don't have to pay Shumpert $12 million, and maybe you could go out and get a forward. Like, they're locked into this roster is my point. They, they lost all their roster flexibility when they went all in on Love and Thompson and J.R. and Shumpert and all this stuff. And you could argue it was the right move because they made three straight finals, which is what you're supposed to do. I just don't know if they could beat this Warriors. And really, the person they should be maddest at is Clay Thompson for getting hot in that OKC series. Because if OKC wins, then they win the title. Draymond's nut punches. Would you, if, you're, if you're Cleveland, would you rather have last year's title or the, Dray, or the Draymond nut punch never happening if you lose in five and Durant doesn't go there? The title. You always take the title. Yeah, I, I agree. But the irony of that title is it formed the Warriors dynasty. <laughs> I'm not sure we can call it a dynasty yet. Oh, it's going to be a dynasty. First of all, let's say they win Monday night. 
that's the best three-year stretch probably by any team in the history of the NBA that didn't win titles all three of those years, I would yep. say. Yeah, I think you're right. 15-1 and one in the finals. 73 wins last year they don't win. They win the title the year before. Their record for regular season wins for those three years is a record, I think. Yeah, and I think then their right. record for um, just total wins is a record. They revolutionized basketball. I, I I just think, I don't know if we're going to see something better than that. And they have two of the best five players in the league, which is also pretty good. Pretty hey, wait, I want to tell you about something else. We talked about wine. Oh, I thought we were going to talk about Dwayne Wade's red hair. No. I want to tell you about the blacktux.com. Oh. They've been, look, they've been looking great for a wedding or a special event. The easiest that it's ever been. You don't even have to dye your head red, red like Dwayne Wade. With high-quality rental suits and tuxedos delivered to your doorstep, the Black Tux is giving guys a new way to rent. The Black Tux offers a free home try-on so you can see the fit and feel the quality of your suit months before your event. The best part, it's completely done online. No trips to the tuck shop required. No creepy tailors breathing all over you. Theblacktux.com lets you create your look. Choose from tons of stylish selected outfits starting at just $95. How much did the tux cost for your wedding? I don't remember. I didn't wear a tux. Yeah, I don't think we did wear tuxes. No, we were we were out. It was an outdoor wedding on the on the yeah. Venue. So we weren't you went outdoor. Out. Yeah. Well, I need a tux. You known about? I would need, need a tux, a tux for for this for this NBA playoffs award show that we that we we're, we're pining for. That's what I want a tux for. Okay. We'll get them from the blacktux.com. Modern, made from fine Italian wool, highest quality in the rental market. Any issues? Their expert customer care team will take your back. Have your back every step of the way. After ordering, your suit will arrive 14 days before your event. You have a full two weeks to try it on, make sure everything fits, or if it's less than perfect, Black Tux will send you a free replacement right away. After you're done, drop your rental back in the mail. Shipping free both ways. It is so easy. Get started right now. Visit theblacktux.com slash BS to get $20 off your purchase. Speaking of tuxes, uh, was thinking about our friendship came this weekend. It was my 25-year college reunion last year that I didn't go to. Chip Kane was there. Chip Kane, at his own wedding, passed out partly hot church, but also because he didn't have the right tux. It's, it's he had true. one of those heavy, hot tuxes, and it was like a fire retardant suit that NASCAR drivers would use. And the combo of that and the, the heat of the church and maybe two to 25 drinks the night before, he just keeled over during his own wedding. So. That's another thing that blackdogs.com can help you with. Don't pass find a breathable one. Yeah, find a breathable tux at theblacktux.com. Flash BS, $20 off your purchase. All right. So we didn't talk about the refs last night. <laughs> it's going to be a hard conversation to have. I know. I, Do we even have it? It's probably not worth it. Well, here's it's the thing that I'm interested in. Um, I want one layer more transparency into how the league plans for the, the refs in, in the finals. I, I couldn't believe my eyes um, with, with Mark Davis and John Goble out there yesterday. What, well, what has Mark Davis done to, to, to make anybody think that he should be a, a ref in the finals? Yeah, I hate trashing the refs, but let's do it I know, but <laughs> here Mark we Davis. are. Mark Davis is one of those refs, and we all have them. If, you, if you're really an NBA junkie and you love the league and you love your team and you're nerdy and 
and lame enough to actually know who the refs are. Mark Davis is one of those refs that I see him, and no offense to him, I'm sure he's a nice guy, I'm sure he's a great family man, but I see him and I go, fuck. Me too. Mark Davis tonight. Right, so you felt that way too, and then when he did a Wiz Celtics playoff game, both of us were upset with him. We were both mad. Yeah, it's, it's just when he's involved, the game just always seems to come off the tracks. And I don't get it, man. They they have game four is a Friday night. Game five is a Monday night. Just use your best guys. They know who the best guys are. They Ryan know who Cutch the best guys are. their best are. ref. He should ref every game. Why can't he ref every game? These, guys, I, these NBA refs, they ref four or five times a week. This is what I asked. I'm asking for this transparency that that uh, I want to see, you know, what goes into the to the planning. They, 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 the same guys could ref all the games. There's no question about it. The players play the games. The, the same, we could have the same refs for, for the whole series. They know who the best refs are. They grade them. They go nuts with who's who and like, you know, they've had a lot of trouble, kind of grooming younger refs to become signature marquee refs. So somebody like Zach Zarba, who I think is pretty good. Um, he's one of the younger ones. Goble's another one of the younger ones. I know they have to take chances with the younger ones and hope they make it, but man, that, that was one of those crews. When I saw him, I was like, Oh boy, that shouldn't be my reaction for the finals. Game four, bring, bring your best. Since today, Saturday, you know, we, we, it was a special emergency podcast. Well, and look, Who's we, we also I got Tate. We, I, knew, I knew Tate would do a good job producing it. It's also, I didn't, I, again, I didn't I, go I, on I, the I, internet I, rent a, and rent a producer for the podcast that I was hoping would do a good job. I went and got Tate. I, I feel bad about naming names, uh, but we've already already broken the seal. I mean, you, you've seen the stat. Mike Callahan has now refereed 11 straight, I don't know, pardon me, 12 straight Cleveland wins. And the last three times the Cavaliers have beaten the Warriors, Mike Callahan. Oh, that's true, Daddy. Oh, that, that is true. Oh, man. That How do you like that? Uh, let's just get off this topic. Yeah, let's get NBA. off it. Can't, I love can't. all the people that work for the NBA. I don't, I, you know, it's just not a good subject. I, but I really do think that you're looking at something that took them way too long to care about, which was referees and where to find them, how to grade them how to find new ones, how to develop them. This is something Mark Cuban was bitching about, and I was, and I was writing about in 2006 as the biggest epidemic in the league. And I don't know if epidemic is the right word. Biggest issue? Biggest it's not problem, the, the biggest, but it affects the quality of the product, and you just don't want the quality of the product. in the first quarter for Cleveland. I mean, you just don't want that. And also, Cleveland's a team that you can decide going into the game how you're going to officiate them. Right, LeBron. LeBron's like Will. LeBron's like Shaq. You could, you could call forty-five fouls on guys guarding LeBron, and same with with Kyrie when he's going to the basket. Like it's just so hard to call it. You can go into the game with a certain mindset, and you know if if they're telling the the rest, there was too much contact in Game Three that wasn't called, like lock it down. That helps the cap. <laughs> You know, um, anyway, I, it's not worth Cleveland would have won anyway, I think. But it wow. also felt like a game in the first quarter where it was like to ha- to not have Clay in there is so damaging for Golden State because he's by far their best guy in Kyrie. 
Yeah. And if you're just going to knock him out of the first half, like, oh, gee, I wonder how they got to 86 points. It wasn't just that, but it was part of it. So what happens in game five? I think it's going to look like games one and two. Um, I tweeted mid-game last night that I thought that the the way the game was going in terms of the efficiency that Cleveland had scoring-wise was a very bad omen for the ultimate outcome of the game. Uh, And I think we've seen with this Warriors team, if they're within 16 points with seven minutes left, they can absolutely win. There's no no doubt about it. So I, I was I was I looking felt, for. Didn't you feel going, like last night? I was I was waiting for their run last night. Me too. Exactly. I just I just went. They got it to like twelve a couple times, and I almost tweeted like the Cavs better not let this get to single digits. The problem with Twitter now is if you tweet something like that and then it doesn't happen, they everybody gets they love shoving in your face. Is that even well, you could just say no. I I when I tweeted mine. And I think uh, Golden State was down 25 or something. I I said that I realized how stupid it was that I what I, what I was about to say. So you could just make fun of yourself. People were nice to me. They told me I was stupid. Um, but I think yeah, it's going to be like games one or two. And the reason for that is because last night every Cleveland player who played at least 10 minutes shot over 50 percent from the field, and I don't think that's going to happen in Golden State on Monday. We should talk problem. about Golden State's defense though a little bit. Lack of defense yeah. from last night. Well, but here, here's the problem, though, and this is why modern basketball is, is, I think, becoming harder and harder to gamble on. You just don't know when the game's coming. When you have two teams like this, you don't know when the game's coming when somebody's get 24 threes. You know, how do you know? It's like roulette. I mean, you're just rolling, watching the ball roll around. You hope it's red or black. Um, the Cavs aren't going to hit 24 threes in Game Five, but. If I were them, I, I still feel like they have a move that's almost like an NFL playoffs move, like a strategy move, where they could just go super slow in Game Five and try and try to pace it so that LeBron can peak in the third and fourth quarter. You just go, you post LeBron up, take your time on possessions, don't let the game outflow, almost like their Game Seven strategy. Which is the way I thought they're going to play the whole series. Don't do we what talked they about did this at the outset of the four. series. I know. But this is the game I would do it. I would I would have a completely different pace for this game and just try to make it a game that's like the outlier, weird, fucked up game. Well, you know, the, one, one of the ways to do that, speaking of the refs, the, if, if you do reintroduce the bully ball and try and, you know, make the refs keep you uh, from being as physical as you might be, I mean, I, I, I think it's about time to ratchet up a little bit of the physicality now. Yeah. I agree. I don't think their role players are going to show up like they did uh, these last two games. You're not going to get you're not going to get anything from Jared Smith on the road. Just hasn't hasn't happened in this series. I, I don't really trust. I trust I trust LeBron. I trust Kyrie. I trust Love to an extent. Thompson has had a really strange series. I don't know what to make of him anymore. Darren Williams like signs a life in Game Four compared to game three where he was just a waterlogged corpse. But I don't feel like they have that kind of wild card X factor, dude. It, it, you know? it could be Corver. Maybe. Maybe. By the way, I, I didn't have done a podcast of game three. I thought that was a great play. I was fine with that play. Oh, 
Absolutely. Yeah, setting and, up the play for Corver. He got a nice corner three. It's a, he's probably one of the best five guys of all time at that shot, and he was open, and he got a good shot. He I think he's the best in the league with that shot this season. Yeah, I was fine with it. Me too. And for all the people who are like the hero ball people, you know, you don't win titles unless other guys on the team make shots. Everyone tried. Like, even you said it early in the podcast. You're like Dirk single-handedly won the finals in 2011. Actually, like Jason Terry had that one game in the finals when remember he was that yes. lost his mind and started making yeah. crazy shots. Like you it's have true. to that has to happen in the finals. Two thousand nine, Derek Fisher made the biggest shot of that whole series. Two thousand eight, Eddie House and James Posey. You go on and on. It's always the role players that end up swinging games. And, yeah, Mike Miller had um, a game in in the finals a few years ago. Mike Miller, Ray Allen won won that won two thousand thirteen, saved their ass. Two thousand fourteen, Danny Green. Always the random dudes. So um, I like the Corver play, and I, I would run it again if I was them. It's, let's say the Warriors win by 20. Where do you put them all time? I, I'm only hesitating because the the proper way to assess them, to me, is we have a, we, it's a three-year run. I mean, we talked about this a little bit, bit earlier. They've accomplished yeah. things that the, the league's never seen before in terms of regular season wins. If they go 15 and one, it's only been done one other time. Um, so that, that you, it, it, that three straight finals, winning two out of the three, uh, you know, 15 and one in the playoffs. It, it really does. We really do need to start talking Lakers, Celtics, Bulls. That's, that's the territory. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's almost not a season thing. It's more of a, you know, for me, the Celtics was 84 to 86. The Lakers right. was 85 right. to 87. The Sixers were 81 to 83. The Bulls, you had 91 to 93, and you had 96 to 98. Lakers, 0, zero to 02. The three-year runs are a nice way to look at this stuff, you know? Spurs were 05, 06, 07. Uh, Lakers were 08, 09, 10. Usually it's a three-year run. And... And then if you can get more than that, awesome. Miami was, you could go 11, 12, 13, or you go 12, 13, 14. But, you know, I think from that respect, they rank way, 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 way up there. You know? that's, that's, that's right. And the funny thing is um, using that, that three-year paradigm, you mentioned earlier, Dynasty, we're going to, I mean, there's no reason to think they couldn't do it again next year. Yeah, I mean, all I can tell you is when those MVP odds go up, you're like, oh, I can't bet. Damn it. I'm going to convince you inside of bet on Durant. I think those will be, whatever those odds are, will be the best odds next year. Well, if he's the NBA, uh, I mean, if he's a finals MVP, the odds aren't going to be very good. No, but LeBron and Westbrook will always have the best odds for MVP, I think. That's true. By the way, we, we have to, uh, I want to talk about Capital One in a second, but you mentioned how Hayward is the big prize for everybody. Him and Chris Paul. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, no, I'm going to let you mull this over as we as we head oh. into one more little, oh. little break. Yeah, I want to mull. I just want to point out that Blake Griffin can opt out of his contract and become a free agent. Just mull that over. Think about it. Chew on it. And we're going to take a quick break with a message brought to you by CreditWise from Capital One. Numbers don't tell the whole story. <laughs> Cavs hit 24 threes in game four. Does that mean they're a better team than the Warriors? Nope. 
Credit isn't any different. It's all about how well you perform against the factors that go into a credit score. How good are you paying your bills on time? How much credit do you have spread across different accounts? How long have those accounts been open? All of these factors impact your credit health. And since there is no one single score that lenders use, knowing these factors are key. Credit-wise, you track the factors that make up your credit health using information from your TransUnion Credit Report. This app can help you spot errors or identify theft and lays out information you need to understand your behaviors and how they impact your credit health. Plus, you can check it anytime without negatively impacting your credit. And the best part, it is 100% free for everyone, whether you're a Capital One customer or not. Step up your game. Download CreditWise today. So let's say the Celtics struck out in Gordon Hayward. Oh, for the record, and uh, Mark Stein reported this. Uh-huh. Love to Steiny Moe. I saw Steiny Moe before game three. It was emotional. Good. It was emotional. I love that man. Yeah. What's happening is reprehensible. I will leave it at that. Um, really, like, oh man, I, I'm gonna. I'm not saying anything about this. Um, save it for another day. But I'm gonna save it for another day. But I, I just want. I just want the appropriate parties to know. I know what's going on. Anyway, um, so he reported that Gordon Hayward, that Miami is, is a big suitor with Gordon Hayward. Here's the thing. Miami is always a big suitor. Here's a good recipe. If Miami has cap space and Miami has Pat Riley, they have to be taken seriously every summer. They just do. It shouldn't be a newsflash that, you know, Gordon Hayward is on the Miami radar because to me, it's like Miami is always the number one threat in every free agency. Right. So I, I think they're a suitor for Gordon Hayward and Blake Griffin. I think oh. they're going to come out of it with somebody because Pat Riley lands big stars. That's what he does. He's been there for 20 years. Well, you go there, he, he has a proven record. He puts the rings on the table. He's got the cap space and you get major income tax um, breaks by going to Florida. Yeah. No Pat. state tax in Florida. Speaking of, what else happens? You, know, you get to live in Miami. That's a really fun place to live. So, I've heard that. You know, I think they have to be taken seriously for both Gordon Hayward. And I actually think Blake makes more sense. I, I, I also I just now give a, in Joe House. I got to give a shout out to um, to Spolstra as well for talking about all the attributes in Miami that make it a desirable place. He's really been impressive to me um, since the the big three, you know, cracked up and left, and Bosch had to, you know, much love to Chris Bosch. Said, yeah, I mean, we 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 already, you know, have been through the uh, emotion. We know that he's not going to play anymore, but it's kind of final now. Um, but I think Spolster has done an unbelievable job, um, you know, after the 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 run to to the finals all those years. And guess you know who notices that shit? The players. I agree. They notice the really well run and well coached teams. Like even when I did the second podcast with Durant, we talked about Dan Waiters. And he just started raving about Miami and Spolster and those guys because the, the players notice. They can tell. And in Brad Stevens, it's a huge asset for the Celtics that the players go against Brad Stevens. They're like, wow, that team was really well coached. They were really well prepared. Um, and Miami just has so many different advantages. So anyway, you know, Blake's been under the knife a lot, multiple times. He's got the broken hand. Kevin O'Connor has, has documented all the different things that have happened to Blake's body. With that said, I think he's 28. I think if you're looking at him for three years in the max, something like that, and he wants to get away from the Clippers and start over, 
And as a backup plan for the Celtics, I think he makes a ton of sense. Oh, as I see. The primary plan for Miami, I think he makes a ton of sense. But, you know, if you're the Celtics and you could get Blake for three years and you have Horford and you have Blake and you draft Fultz and you bring in Vizich, it's a pretty good team, right, huh? I mean, it was a lock of the century before we got caught on this podcast today that at some point we would be talking about the Celtics offseason. So I'm willing no, to. We don't need to. We, no, I'm going to indulge it. I'm going to indulge it. I do like, I, I do think the, the right place Blake for Blake is a place like Boston. I, I, because we, we observed this and we talked about this on some pods over the course of the season. He's a different player now than, than he was, you know, uh, yeah. re, really, really as recent as 18 months ago. He doesn't have the same lift by all indications and appearances. This is just eye test stuff, so I know how dumb it is. Yeah, um, not, definitely not healthy. But not right, not not healthy. Uh, and you know, what what version of Blake are you getting? And and what's your game plan know. for those three years if he's only going to be able to play you know sixty games a season? If that's the kind of player that he turns out to be. I'll tell you this: the Celtics have one summer to go get a marquee free agent after the summer, it's going to be a lot harder because they have contracts expiring people. They got to pay. And this is the one summer they could sneak somebody else in and Hayward and Blake are the guys that make the most sense. And ironically, both of them make a ton of sense for Miami too. I think Blake actually makes more sense for Miami than Hayward. They have a lot of swing guys, but for both of them, they make sense. And I don't know. I just, I just wanted to throw that out there. I think this I summer is going to be a fucking free for all. I didn't get a chance to listen to you and Kevin O'Connor. Are the Celtics re-signing Isaiah Thomas? Not this summer. Not with the hip thing. I don't think so. I still feel like, all right, you're an objective party. You don't care about either team. Porzingis for the number one pick as as the two major pieces in some sort of deal still makes the most sense to me out of just about any move I've heard. I and think I don't it's know totally if the Knicks fair. even trade for I think it's totally I think it's a fair. totally fair trade. Because from a Knicks standpoint, you just re, you know you have one and eight. You take faults. You make him your dude. You get whatever you can get for Carmelo. Then you take whoever at eight, and you throw away 2018, and you rebuild around faults, and you have him for two more years. Then you have Porzingis. Porzingis, the clock's ticking already. You know we're already two years in. And you already know he's unhappy. So it's just, that would be the reason to do it. I still personally would rather, you know, obviously would rather have Porzingis someone give up the number one pick for him. I guess I'm just saying that if you're the Knicks and you're worried about keeping up. But um, but there's there's some stuff that's going to happen because if there's some real life to this LeBron stuff with LA, then they're going to try to dump that Dang or Moskov contract or both of them. But we, we, you know? we're only two weeks out now from the, from all of these trades building towards the draft. I mean, are we going to see some yeah. trades this year? I do. I, I really do think so. I think we will. I think it's too logical for too many of the teams involved to do stuff. You know, Philly, Fultz makes the most sense for Philly of any team in the lottery. The, the Kings love Fox. The Suns, Lonzo and the Suns would be fantastic. There's all these fun matchups with the lottery and with players and with teams and the, and the supporting cast they have. And then the, the right teams have trade assets at the right spots, right? The Kings have five and 10. The 
the uh, the Suns have four and then a whole bunch of stuff and cap space. The Sixers have three and all these different moves. Like somebody was asking me, would you trade the number one for Ben Simmons? Which is a huh. trade that I think makes a lot of sense for Philly. I don't know if I would do it if I'm the Celtics. I'm a little worried about my son coming off the broken foot. We don't know if he can shoot. I think false is more of a short thing, right? It's impossible to say. You don't. You never know until the lights are on with the guy that's only been in college one year. Before the season started, we we were kind of talking about, you know, is Brandon uh, Ingram going to be a guy that that you know is going to really surprise everybody? And and you know what? He didn't surprise anybody. He sucked. I know. Not ready. Not ready for the league. I had an an NBA insider describe false to me this way. A six foot three Tracy McGrady. Pretty good. And the point was unbelievable athlete, can do absolutely anything on a basketball court, a little laid back, um, and almost has no weaknesses. And can shoot threes, can get to the rim, A plus athletic ability, good passer, just can do anything. Well, I and love him because he's from the DMV. I had tr- well, I know, and I had trouble. My only issue with Fultz was like, who is he? What can I compare him to? And then when I heard six foot three Chase McGrady, I was like, ah, oh, that's it. <laughs> that's who he is. It's perfect. I loved it. It, was, it finally put his career arc in the context, and also the fact, you know, that the, the thing people are throwing at him is that he he uh, he sucked in college, but Titus did a good job at debunking that, as did the mm-hmm. fact that they fired their coach after and all that stuff. Um. What what's how is your plan going with um framing Jan Mahimni for a crime that would get him off the wizard's cap? <laughs> Did you think I'm, of how you're gonna do that yet? I'm willing to live with, with Jan. Uh there is a role for him. He he he's he's a sixteen million dollar bench player who should come in and, you know, help the second <laughs> unit defend the rim that's a, for that's twelve so minutes a game. I oh. look. Welcome to Washington. Congratulations. There, there's a trade out there. This is, mm. this is, I'm, I'm ready. I know that we've been talking for about an hour and I, I've yeah. been mulling this, you know, the, how I wanted to, to t- kind of present this. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm ready to say this. I, I now live in a world where I have talked myself into the possibility of Dwight Howard as a Washington wizard. <laughs> I really did it. I, I've done it. I think it could make sense here. I think John Wall, this is the thing. I've been so blinded by what John Wall has done for so many players, both big guys and wing guys. He's made so much money for other guys. Uh, what if he could I revive and revitalize Dwight Howard on the pick and roll? What if? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've been, I've been very quiet about it. This is the first time I've said it out loud, but I've been mulling it. Bad. I've been mulling it. I was going to, uh, I was going to read you some emails today because <laughs> uh-huh. I didn't know I thought if we ran out of steam we'd, I'd have some emails ready for us Paul from Denver asked is there any way we can get Dwight Howard onto the Warriors roster this summer releasing the Dwight Bola virus in the Golden State locker room would be a great test of its potency <laughs> I thought that was funny and now, and now you want to <laughs> I didn't say I wanted them I'm just thinking about it I, could, I talked myself into it how it could work would you trade Mahimney and Kelly Oubre for Dwight Howard? 
No, no, can't trade Ubre. Okay. Got to have Ubre. Hand me. I would trade Gortat. How much are you giving Otto Porter? The the not not the max, but he's going to get the max. Let's do a couple quick emails, and then we're done. Chris yeah. in Texas. If the aliens challenge us to a game of basketball, my first call is now to KD, not to LeBron anymore. Chris asks, "Am I right or am I an idiot who overacts too easily?" Here's my answer. The call still goes to LeBron. God bless mm-hmm. KD. I think he's been on the exact same level as LeBron. I think it's now a legitimate argument. This is the MJ versus Drexler situation that we always wanted in 92, and then MJ just pulled Drexler's heart out of his body and, and took big bites out of it. Um, KD versus LeBron is is it's fantastic. It's 1A, 1B to me. LeBron is still the first call. Yeah, no doubt. It's not even... Okay. I'm not going to go through any rationale. It's LeBron. Jack from New York asked, why would LeBron losing this series negatively impact his legacy? Did Jordan ever face a team as good as the 2017 Warriors in the playoffs and win? Um, my answer is no. I think the 93 Suns were fantastic. Mm-hmm. It was a really great team and kind of the, the uh, an early version of the basketball we're watching now, although they weren't as good at shooting threes as these teams. But he did play the 89 Pistons and the 90 Pistons in playoff series. They lost in six and 89 and in 90 was a slugfest seven games. Scotty got the migraine in the seventh game. I'm just telling you for people under 25 who don't remember this stuff, probably under 30, like those Pistons teams were fantastic. Unbelievable. They were fantastic. And he took the 90 Pistons to seven with a very, very young team. And I think a new coach. I think that was Colin, I think that was Jackson's first year, mm-hmm. but that nine that nineties Pistons team was off the chain, and uh, and it's actually a really fun argument if you had the ninety Pistons versus this Warriors team with Isaiah and Dumars and uh, let's say the eighty nine team because that was a better team, Isaiah and Dumars and Lambeer. Rip Horn and Lambeer and Dennis Rodman and Sally and they just had a lot of looks, which is why. Historically, I think I ranked the 89 Pistons fourth all time in my book nine years ago. Unbelievable. Um, Because they were like the Swiss Army Knife team. What a good match. I'm excited. That's a good one. And then somebody else asked me, hold on, let me find. Somebody asked me about the 2004 Pistons. I'm finding that, hold on. Uh, I can't find it, I'm sorry. It was was, uh, an email from somebody who said, Rashid apparently said the 04 Pistons would be the 2017 Warriors for the series, and you know, I don't think it's so. not. I don't think so either, but it's not ridiculous because you could have, you know, Ben Wallace would just run a mock. Yeah, you'd have Tayshawn on Durant, you'd have Young Chauncey on Curry, you'd have Rip and Clay just chasing each other around screens the whole game, and then you would have uh, Rashid and Draymond. It's interesting. it's interesting. I think the worst the problem is the Pistons couldn't score enough. You know, I looked at their three point shooting stats and it was a disaster. Right. Their games are in like the high eighties, low nineties, and but defensively, probably the best defensive lineup we could throw at this Warriors team, I think. And you would yeah. you would know that game plan wise, they'd come in with a sound approach. Chuck Daly would have you know. Yeah, good coaching. That was uh, Dan from Detroit, by the way, last time. 
Thomas and Columbus said Pop is 68, LeBron is 32. Who do you think is more likely to still be in the league in 10 years? What do you think, uh, I'll answer is it's LeBron. I think Pop is, I is not that far away from being done. Yeah, Pop's on a vineyard in Santa Barbara exactly, making his own wine. Exactly. He's making a great life. Pop, Actually, Pop there's a whole other chapter to Pop. I mean, his, his prominence this past, over the course of the season here, kind of politically and how articulate he's been and how passionate he's been, it seems like there might be, I don't know that he'll run for public office, but you could see him, you know, having another chapter. Tyson from Australia. I, a lot of Australia slash New Zealand listeners for this podcast and Cousin Sal, because those people are degenerates like we are. That's oh, why I, I thought about it, put some thought into it, and I think Sal and you and me, we're all like honorary Australia and New Zealand people because they're all degenerates. And they I agree. Them. I think that too. I, I get so much nice things from people from Australia. Anytime they're in D.C., yeah. like, hey, Alice, we're in D.C., where should we go eat? I always respond to those. So, yeah, maybe we should open a ringer branch in Australia because obviously we obviously they dig our stuff. But um, he says, I'm a pretty big Cavs fan. I recently texted my brother telling him I'd slice off a piece of my foreskin if the Cavs came back to win after being down 3 nothing. If the Cavs do win, do, you, do I really need to do it? Or am I disrespecting the basketball gods if I don't? I'm sorry, you got to do it. If they come back from 0-3, you have to, give, you have to slice off some of your foreskin. Do you agree, Harris? Can we end on this? Can this be the last one? I mean, I don't want to talk about it. I don't Force like this Tyson? idea. You want that to be the last one? Why did he put? Why did he write that? I don't know. Because we're, we're Australian. Flash listeners. He's Australian. Um, Chase from KC wonders if the Cavs come back down from three games to zero and LeBron wills them to a finals victory. Is the debate for greatest of all time officially over? Hmm. Mm. It actually might be. That might wow. be that might be the flip that we needed. Because it's never if, happened. If LeBron, LeBron pulls an 0-4 Red Sox. Yep. Wow. <laughs> oh, could he be over MJ though? Could he really be over MJ? Hmm. Last one. What what current NBA players would you choose if you had to beat the Warriors lineup of death in a sudden death game seven scenario? I I assume that you could, you're allowed to use Cavs in here. I came up with Anthony Davis, Paul George, LeBron, Kawhi, and Kyrie. Okay, yeah, Kawhi, yes, uh, LeBron. You're basically keeping the Cavs, but improving them with Anthony Davis instead of Thompson, Paul George instead of Love, and Kawhi instead of Jared Smith. It's funny. You know what? I, I personally, and I know that, yeah. that uh, this is going to sound funny coming from me considering my my view on this guy. Previously, I'd rather have Russell Westbrook than than Paul George. I would swap out Paul George for Westbrook. I don't care about the size. I wouldn't. I'm I'm talking about my life depending on no, because I think Westbrook would try to shoot 35 times. Uh, Non-Cavs lineup for me would be Davis, Paul George, Kawhi, Harden, Conley. You left Westbrook off both. Yeah, because I want I want to win the game. I'm not interested in somebody going for his own death. No offense. No offense, Westbrook. The uh, David from Flemington, New Jersey asked, watching game two of the finals on Sunday, watching how great Durant was on both ends of the floor, I thought to myself, is this what Giannis would look like if he had a jump shot? The answer is yes. Giannis, and Giannis, by the way, is going to have a jump shot. 
I, I, everything I've read and seen and watching him play, he's yeah, working on that jump shot. He's working on it. He's working hard. He's working at it. He's also he's been in touch with the other aliens from his UFO, and there, he might have more people coming. Last one. This will really be the last one. Andrew Garcetti writes, as a morally dilapidated Knicks, Jets, and Mets fan who has never seen a championship in his 26 years, which of those teams do you feel is closest to a championship? Well, this Nick, feels like a Jets setup. Mets. I mean, this feels like a little bit of a of a setup. I'm thrilled to say uh, that it's my my National League East nemesis, the Mets. I just had uh, a very nice conversation with Noah Syndergaard earlier this week. Got to spend yeah. some time with him with Thor. Great guy. I told him, you know, we put aside our basketball difference, our, our baseball differences. Pardon me. And we uh, we have a mutual hatred for the for the Dallas Cowboys, and we both love two little hot sauce. So the Mets is my answer. Okay, uh, I'm adding World War Three to the to those three options, and I'm picking World War Three. <laughs> uh, you have a you have a pick for uh, for Penguins Nashville tonight? I'm rooting my balls off for Nashville, so that'll be my pick. Okay, me too. Me too. And I wish PK Subin had punched Crosby right in the face. I was disappointed that he didn't do that. Thanks to the blacktux.com to help you create your look or choose from tons of stylish selected outfits starting at just $95. Ordering and your suit will arrive, arrive 14 days before your event. Try it on. Make sure everything fits. If not, the Black Tux will send you a free replacement right away. To get started now, visit the blacktux.com slash BS and get $20 off your purchase. Again, that's the Black Tux. Dot com slash BS. Don't forget to listen to Shaq House U.S. Open coming up, right, House? We got a the the open preview show. We're recording it Monday night. It'll be up late Monday, early Tuesday. A lot of picks, and I think I'm making a guest appearance this week on Against All Odds to talk with the Cuz about some 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 U.S. Open props. We're going to talk about whether or not anybody's going to make a hole in one. There's some good odds out there. Excellent. I'm very excited to hear that. I, we already put a little on Bubba Watson, right? We did. We put a little taste on Bubba. This, this, okay, this uh, Aaron Hill golf course, first time hosting a U.S. Open. Big ballpark. Nice place for a big hitter. Bubba hits the ball long. Mm. I saw him on, I saw him on game three, and I, I knew I had bet on him at that point. I just kind of gave him good vibes. Uh, thanks to Capital One. They created a CreditWise app so you can check your credit score anytime you want right in the app. It's free for everyone. Download CreditWise today. Availability depends on presence. Of credit history from TransUnion, CreditWise is offered by Capital One Bank USA and dot a dot uh, house. This is a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for dragging your hungover bones onto our Saturday special edition <laughs> podcast. I hope it wasn't that obvious. I uh, I think I'm going to Game Five, so I have a full report from that. Yeah. And uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Thank you, House. Thanks, Kate. Thanks, Tater. 